Welcome to episode 23 of Mansi, a podcast about magic and the fucked up shit people did with it. In each pair of episodes, we cover a different Mansi or method of magic. I'm RJ Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and solitary eclectic witch. Last week, we discussed the history of pyromancy and its mythological origins. To the ancient Greeks, fire is what separated humanity from the rest of the animal kingdom and was the greatest treasure of the gods. In the extra spell, we discussed Moloch and the pyromantic child sacrifices to Kronos in ancient Carthage. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Creepy. It, it's, it's both creepy, but at the same time, it's like we don't know enough to know exactly how creepy. Yeah. Like it could have just been like an infant funeral rite, or it could have been like, well, let's just recycle this baby and hope we get a better one. Yeah. Yeah. We also discussed how pyromancy is actually an umbrella for several different types of mancy. If fire is used, then it's technically a type of pyromancy. We discussed scapulomancy, which involves tossing scapula bones of an animal onto a fire. And we discussed sideromancy, which is burning a straw with a hot iron. And caromancy, which is divination by burning a candle and scrying the melted wax and examining the flame as it burns down. But there are many other forms of fire divination to explore. This is part two of pyromancy. Divination by fire. The first pyromancy we're going to cover in part two is allomancy, which is divination by salt. Just like scapulomancy, there's the pyromantic version and the apyromantic version. The apyromantic version involves just chucking a handful of salt uh, or <laughs> dropping a handful of salt on a table to see where it lands. The pyromancy version involves throwing salt onto a fire or burning a sheet of paper that has salt dropped on it. Uh, the table salt, like regular table salt, it doesn't burn. Mm-hmm. So the areas of the of the fire that would go out when you throw the salt onto it uh, or the pieces of the paper that weren't burned mm-hmm. would be used for your divination. So you just oh, like okay. drop a handful of like Morton table salt <laughs> on, a, on a piece of paper, light the piece of paper on fire, and then pull the piece of paper out from under the salt and see what shape the paper is. Huh, that sounds cool. Yeah, and then you can hang your partially burned paper on the fridge and be like, I made that with magic. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah, these are our divinations. And then you can write the divination on them. And then it's um, a, uh, a form of high art. Um. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Now, table salt uh, does not burn, but other kinds of salts do burn and actually cause crazy stuff to happen in the fire. Mm-hmm. If you've ever used a candle with a colored flame, chances are it's done with a type of salt. Stage magicians know and use these tricks to give like a wow factor to magic tricks involving flames. Pyrotechnicians use them to create colored fireworks and explosions. Here's a list of the colors and the type of salt you'd need to use to get that color for all you amateur uh, backyard <laughs> chemists out there uh-huh. that listen to the show. So if you want a carmine color, that's lithium chloride. If you want red, 
strontium chloride or strontium nitrate. If you want orange, calcium chloride, which is a bleaching powder. Yellow sodium chloride. Yellow is sodium chloride. It's just table salt, mm, um, okay. but without the iodine. Mm. Um, or sodium carbonate will also create like yellow. Yellowish green, borax. Mm. Green, copper sulfate or boric acid. Blue, copper chloride. Violet, three parts potassium sulfate, one part potassium nitrate, saltpeter. Purple, potassium chloride. White, magnesium sulfate, uh, Epsom salts. Mm. And you can get a lot of these, if not all of them, from the supermarket or the hard- hardware store. <laughs> yeah, it's not very hard. Yeah. So it's quite possible that something like borax, which is fairly common naturally, like you just find it, you can just mine it and dig it out of the ground. Uh, it's a naturally occurring salt. could have been used for pyromancy, especially due to the spectacle of it. Seeing mm. how strong the fire turns green and in what areas it turns green and how the fire changes shape after you throw the salt onto the fire. Huh. Yeah, that's fun. And we, before we go into more pyromancies, though, we're going to do the extra spell brought to you by Mini Pearl Vintage. In the Hydromancy episode, we discussed trial by water, which involved throwing a criminal into a body of water to see if they sink or float. This was considered a trial by ordeal. And one kind of trial by ordeal is so impactful that it has become an idiom you may have used yourself. Trial by fire. Mm. Yeah. To recap, trial by ordeal is an old form of justice which involved putting a person that was accused of a crime through some kind of ordeal to determine their guilt or innocence. One of the oldest versions of trial by fire involves placing plowshares over flames or hot coals and heating them up until they are red hot. Now, a plowshare is like an old medieval like metal shovel mm-hmm. used to like disturb the earth and like plow the fields. Don't disturb the earth. That's rude. Yeah, but you need It's to, just sitting there. You need to, like, break it up so... so no, you don't have to break up and disturb anyone, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they would... These plowshows would serve as, like, me, like red-hot metal stepping stones for the accused to walk on barefoot. What the fuck? Like, what are we doing that this is part of human <laughs> history? Like, what are we doing? If they were to complete this trial by fire without burns on their feet, they would be found innocent. If they were burned, though, they'd be put to death. Mm. Guilty, guilty. So, like, that's your option. Like, the only way to save your life is to do this trial by ordeal and hope that you kind of come through it. But don't they just kill? No, because they don't. (laughs) They wouldn't kill the people on this one. Uh, Sorry. Like, the trial by ordeal wouldn't kill them? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would. Wasn't the point to kill them, and then if they died, they were innocent? And if they were guilty, then you killed them still? Specifically with the trial by water that involves sinking or floating? Uh-huh. Yeah, but with trial by fire, um, they didn't always die. But sometimes they died. I have a client who, once a year, once or twice a year, he does a hot coal walk. Yeah. Just just to do it. Yeah. And that's considered part of a trial by fire. Mm. Uh, of course, there was like a little leeway, you know. This is actually a lot better than the trial by water in a lot of ways. Um, if there were burns on their feet and they healed in three days, because, I mean, it took three days for Jesus to perform the miracle of, of resurrection. Course. You know? uh, God was believed to have intervened and the accused would be spared, like if the burns healed in three days. If they didn't, though, 
Mm. Yeah, you'd, die. you'd get the axe. Mm. There's uh, a famous legend about Emma of Normandy, uh, a queen consort of England. 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 A queen consort of England who was accused of adultery. Specifically, she was accused of cheating on the king with the court priest. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a bad one. So they put her through a trial by fire, and she walked on the red hot plowshares, and her feet were unburned. Wow. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Oh. And remember the Lance of Longinus? We're digging that one up from the psychometry episode. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The spear that pierced Jesus' side that's yeah. supposed to be like this holy spear. But they, there's no blood on yeah, it. Yeah, and then the Nazis claimed that they had it, and so they were like justified by God to be Nazis. You know what I'm disturbed by? Nazis were not that long ago. It was really not that long ago. Not that long ago is in literally today. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) um, I was around for the siege on the White House. Yeah. Just sorry. Um, So, well, another Lance of Longinus story. In 1099, during the First Crusade, a mystic named Peter Bartholomew claimed to have discovered the Lance of Longinus while they were sacking the Middle East, basically. Mm. But he was repeatedly accused of lying and that the lance he had found was not the Holy Lance of Longinus and it was just a fake that he was claiming was the Lance of Longinus. And to prove, you know, he was telling the truth, he was like, nuh-uh, it's real. If you don't believe me, put me through a trial by fire. Okay. And so he set it all up himself uh, <laughs> to do his trial by fire and he walked across the plowshares. And he was horrifically burned and died from his injuries. <laughs> so. Fuck. I guess his lance was fake. I guess it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Just like the one the Nazis would later claim is real, which is a different lance than the one Peter Bartholomew Of course, found. yeah. And then, the, of course, like we said in psychometry, forensic evidence debunked the Nazi lance as being the lance of Longinus. Debunked. Debunked. <laughs> <laughs> debunked. In the 13th century, in the Nicene Empire... Trial by fire was used to determine uh, cases of treason, specifically cases where someone was accused of using magic to affect the emperor, like Mm. the emperor's health or something. Yes, this is – sorry, go ahead. This is a real thing, though, like in Egyptian times. um, They just had – in Egypt, they had magic practitioners on their court to protect Mm. them. And then if you were found to be doing magic against the emperor whatever, then you would be killed. Yeah. Um. So rather than having them walk on the plowshares, though, uh, in the 13th century, they would have them hold a red hot iron on the red hot pot. (laughs) Okay. The red hot pot. The red hot pot. Red hot pot. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My favorite Shabu restaurant is the red hot pot. The Um, red hot pot. uh, They would hold the red heart. You know what? I'm leaving it in. Fuck it. I'm leaving it in. They would hold the red hot part of the hot iron, of course. And same deal if you are unburned or if you heal in three days, you're innocent. Of course, trial by fire was considered rather barbaric at the time and was mostly just used as some kind of like weird Jesus-y macho way to prove a point, especially for like (laughs) religious zeal. It's like, I'm not lying and I'll hold this hot iron to prove it. (laughs) <laughs> I, it's 
amazing. It's amazing to me that humans have lived this fucking long. Like, how are we still here? And people are like, oh, humans can't ever be wiped out. And there's like global warming and people just don't fucking get it. It's just amazing to me that we've survived this long, honestly. And a long time would pass since then before trial by fire would be used again. In 1498, a friar named Giolamo Savonarola. Giolamo Savonarola. Isn't that Guillermo? No, it's not. It's it, would not have a, it would have a similar pronunciation as Spanish because it's also it, a romantic language. It's G-I-R-O-L-A-M-O. Giarlamo. Anyway, is this Italian friar that was leading the Reformation movement in Florence. And he claimed to have prophetic visions from God about a coming apocalypse because, I mean, that's God's favorite vision to give someone. (laughs) It's about a coming apocalypse. And he was accused by the church establishment and the Inquisition uh, of heresy. Like they were like, you're committing heresy. You're not getting visions from God. Nobody does. And uh, he was like, okay, in order to prove divine vindication of my claims, I am going to undergo trial by fire. Okay. And uh, it turned out to be like a whole fiasco. Uh, He didn't end up actually completing the trial by fire because it started to rain (laughs) before Mm. he could walk on the red hot plowshares. I think that's divine intervention, right? Yeah. That like when I was reading that, I was like, oh, that means God is intervening to stop you from doing yeah, this from doing the thing. trial by fire. So it means that like you have God's protection. But everybody actually thought the opposite. Uh, everybody was like, oh, God intervened to prevent this trial by fire because he's full of shit. Um, but why would God <laughs> intervene if he's protecting a godly thing? Like, you know. He's also a monk. Uh, He's a friar. Or a friar. But he's leading a resistance within the church. But that... So the church establishment is like, he's a heretic. And he's like, I'll walk on these fire to prove that I'm not. And uh, yeah, God was like, no, you're not. You're not walking on no fire. You're just going to get arrested because, yeah. So... The, the public, I guess, it was probably like a big church propaganda thing because mm-hmm. the public took it as like, this is a sign God is not on his side because they wouldn't let him follow through with, with his plan. But wouldn't you think that God is protecting you from harming yourself? And he's like, you don't need to test this because it is true. What I am telling you is true. And if they don't believe it, they don't fucking get to see, be saved. Yeah. Well, way to protect him because the Inquisition arrested him and hanged him for heresy. That's fine. He has to go be with God. No, <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about all this. They're like, <laughs> it's fine if they were innocent. They get to be with god what else could you possibly want yeah my life but okay <laughs> so god was probably like oh no don't do that you'll die like the bartholomew guy that found the lance of longinus let me i'm just gonna stop this right now just and then, like calm down and then oh no you're just gonna hang him oh oops. oh and oh, we are shoot. truly god's worst invention <laughs> but yes um, trial by fire was used in ancient Iran as well. Trial by fire was used on people who were accused of cheating contracts or lying. There were 30 different fiery tests in all. Uh, one included passing your hand slowly through a flame. Another involved having molten metal poured on your chest. Uh, the simplest way was to just drink a potion of uh, hot sulfur uh, after taking an oath. Uh, and if you were fine, then you were truthful. 
because fire was associated with truth. Uh, so it would not harm uh, a trustworthy person as badly as it would harm a liar. Hmm. Okay. Because fire, you know, burns away bullshit. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. In ancient India, trial by fire was called Agni Pariksha. Agni Pariksha. After the fire god Agni. Uh, the fire god would be invoked by priests by chanting mantras and a pyre would be built. The accused would sit on the pyre like a bench. <laughs> and if they were guilty... The pyre would burn them to ashes. If they were innocent, Agni would spare them. Trial by fire exists in modern-day India as well. In some communities, brides will carry red-hot iron, like using just leaves, like leaf gloves as a shield on her hands. And if she was burned, she's considered impure. Um, this is rare though. And usually it comes from like a challenge of purity. Like, I don't know if your wife is pure unless she carries the hot metal with the leaves. Um, the nomadic Sansi tribe in India, um, they like, if a bride doesn't bleed when they consummate their wedding night, uh, she has to undergo a trial by fire to prove her purity. And she must carry burning embers 100 yards with only her hands wrapped in leaves to protect them. Why Why shouldn't we just cut the husbands too and see if they bleed to see if they're pure? I mean, if we're going to, you know, make people bleed to prove purity. I know. Maybe we should just. I, I mean, maybe the husbands should sit on the fire bench, the hot seat, <laughs> if you would. Uh, <laughs> I have so many issues with like the word pure because if you believe in Christianity or you believe like in any of this, uh, we're all fucking damned and sin sinners anyway, right? Like none of us are pure since the original sin. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I just don't even like all this bullshit to me. I'm just like, this is just not even real. We just need to <laughs> not fucking do this because it doesn't matter. It's not real. No one's pure anyway. Your virginity doesn't mean anything. It's a social construct. Fuck. Like, it's uh, so frustrating to me. <laughs> My name is Peter Thar Bartholomew. This is the Lance of Longinus and welcome to Jackass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> And put my leave gloves on. Snap, snap. Like, Let's prove I'm a virgin, I guess. And this is Jackass. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that was the extra spell brought to you by Mini Pearl Vintage. Mini Pearl is a bespoke vintage clothing company where every item is lovingly handmade to order. Mini Pearl is known for their pinup aesthetic with striking dresses and retro button-ups. In fact, Jess, the seamstress of Mini Pearl, is having uh, an old school Guy Fieri bowling shirt made for me and a Mansi dress made for Elle. I'm so excited. 10% of every purchase from Mini Pearl goes to a charity of your choice. Head to minipearlvintage.com. That's mini spelled M-I-N-N-I-E, pearlvintage.com, and use promo code Mansi for a 10% discount and to let them know that Mansi sent you. And now, back to pyromancy. The next subcategory is botanomancy, which you've already heard us do on the podcast. Uh, we did it for our Christmas episode with mistletoe. Mm. 
Botanomancy involves burning specific plants, like specific tree branches or specific herbs. And I know what you're thinking. Wouldn't just any campfire be botanomancy? Yeah. And sort of. In order for this pyromancy to be qualified as botanomancy, you have to intentionally burn a specific plant. Like we did with mistletoe. We didn't just make a fire. We made a fire with the intention to burn mistletoe on it. Mm. Uh, Other plants that were popular for botanomancy were verbena and briar. Both the flames and the smoke are used for divination. The practice was most popular among ancient druids and was an important part of druidic tree worship. All right, let's see how the tree's feeling today. Let's just light this on fire. Ooh, the tree's kind of mad that we uh, broke off a branch and lit it on fire. (laughs) Well, now we know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Next up, we have capnomancy, which involves divining from smoke. Unless you're burning a specific plant, then it's botanomancy. (laughs) Unless the smoke is more important than the plant, and then it's capnomancy. (laughs) (laughs) And the earliest record, like so much of this like overlaps. Yeah. The earliest recorded history we have of capnomancy goes all the way to ancient Babylonia. They would use cedar branches or cedar stumps and shavings uh, because the smoke it produced smelled real good. Uh, and the smoke is very visible. Mm-hmm. The ancient Greeks also practiced capnomancy. Specifically, they would make burnt sacrifices to the gods and then divine the smoke. The divination was intended to determine how the gods received the sacrifice. If it was like a thin, straight plume going just straight up into the sky, that's a good omen. Gods are accepting the sacrifice. If it's in large plumes or billows and just kind of hovers around... That's a bad omen. If the smoke is so low that it touches the ground, then you need to take immediate action to avoid a pending disaster. <laughs> it's the tower card. Oops, <laughs> yeah. all towers. Oops, all with, towers. But with the fire. <laughs> There's also a related mancy called libinomancy, which is divination using the smoke rising from incense specifically. And that follows similar rules. Mm-hmm. The daughters of Artemis had a specific pyromantic ritual, one that I'm certain most, if not all, of our listeners have participated, and I've told Elle about this a few times. But on her 16th birthday, a daughter of Artemis would receive a round cake to symbolize the moon. But can a cake truly symbolize the moon if it's not glowing? No. So they would stick tiny candles or like sticks in the cake to act as candles and then light them. So that the candles would make the cake glow. The daughter of Artemis would blow out the candles and make a wish, ask something of Artemis, and the smoke would carry that wish to Artemis. And that's why you blow out the candles on a birthday cake. You're doing ancient Greek pyromancy. Sorry, Karen, but you're doing you're pagan you're now. You're doing pagan shit with your with every every birth little Timmy's birthday, you're doing ancient pagan uh rituals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah, I would say definitely profound impact on our culture with that one. Ancient Greece. Yeah. Next up is Calcinomancy. C A U S I N Omancy. Omancy. <laughs> yeah. Which is just this is my favorite one. Cosinomancy is just burning stuff. <laughs> <laughs> 
set that shit on fire and see what happens. Yeah, instead of like staring into the flame and reading or reading the smoke or seeing how the flame moves, uh, it's more important how the offering was burned, like how the flames consumed what you're burning. So in addition to watching the smoke, the ancient Greeks would take note of how long it took the offering to ignite and how much of it actually burned by the time the fire died down. If it rapidly ignited and completely burned away, it was a good omen. It means the gods were excited about this offering. If it took a long time to burn or didn't burn or was partially burned, then it was considered a bad omen. Mm. So like with the caromancy, when you examine like how the flame on the candle is going, it's like that, but with dead animal. Hmm. Okay. Or whatever you're burning. You can burn a couch <laughs> and see if the gods accept your couch. <laughs> That's better than the, like, street couches where, like, people just take their couch on the street and put, like, a free sign on it and it's out there forever. Just set that shit on fire. Like, go to the desert, set it on fire. Give it to Artemis so Artemis can lounge. Fuck yeah. I mean, (laughs) in certain certain worship, that would be a thing that you would say, I got this for the spirits. And Mm. they could have it, so. And finally, we have Spodomancy. 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 Are you getting your plosives in there? Yeah. Spodomancy. Uh, which is divination by examining the ashes after burning something. The ancient Greeks would use the smoke from a burned offering. They would use the way the offering was burned. And then finally, they would examine the ashes left behind. Spodomancy is also multicultural. In fact, it's one of the most multicultural pyromancy forms. There's lots of different methods for performing spodomancy. Uh, One of the Greek methods involves writing a name or drawing a picture in the ashes with a finger or a stick. Then the spodomancer would wait for a gentle breeze (laughs) to disturb the ashes to see how the word or picture changed after part of it getting blown around. Uh, In ancient Thebes, there was an altar dedicated to Apollo, and that specific altar was called Apollo of the Ashes for two reasons. The first was that you could perform divination by gently blowing ashes off of it. The second was that the altar itself was made from the ashes of sacrifices, human Mm -hmm. sacrifices that were burned, reduced to ash, and then added to some concrete to create an altar to Apollo. (laughs) So fucked. It's so fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Apollo is probably like, oh man, let me just check on the humans really quick. Uh, How are they doing with, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, what is this? Oh, oh my no. God. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't want you. This This is a gift. Uh, thanks. Um, it's like when the cat brings you. Oh, my God. There was this. Sorry. This is totally a tangent. There was somewhere on the interweb. Someone had a cat house, like a little um, house for the cat to be in. And they had mounted all of the offerings from the cat. Like the little oh, bird heads that was, and shit. That was in one crazy summer. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, that was in One Crazy Summer. Uh. Uh, we we watched uh, another John Cusack 80s movie. And on the litter box, I like the mounted heads of the birds and mice the cat has killed. <laughs> Apollo's like, to thanks. <laughs> to thanks, yeah. Um, in Romani culture, spodomancy is performed by throwing a handful of ashes just on the floor. Just like, yeet. On the floor. (laughs) If the ashes are smoothly and evenly distributed, good omen. If the ashes fall in piles or clumps, bad omen. 
In ancient China, spodomancy was performed by raking the animal bones out of the fire they were burned in. And the streaks left in the ashes, along with the cracks in the bones, were said to portend the future. Several Native American tribes also believed they could use ashes from burned-out fires to divine the future, specifically the condition of a newborn or uh, the condition of somebody who was away on a journey. Mm -hmm. Uh, They would examine the streaks and marks left in the ashes of the campfire in the morning. I just had a crisis where I was like, you wouldn't know if someone died. They just would never come back. Yeah, well, I mean... You got to do the spodomancy. Yeah, <laughs> know. Like that would be, yeah, that would be a really useful yeah. use of divination. Yep. Another form of folk spodomancy was done in England between the 16th and 19th centuries. And I have a feeling people still do this today. In fact, in Kent, it's traditionally done on Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day is coming up. At least I was going to say, recording. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Might, I think it'll be passed by the time this one releases. But Happy late Valentine's Day Happy late to Valentine's all of Day. our Valentines yeah. that listen to this. Yeah, try try this pyromantic trick uh, to impress <laughs> your Valentine's Day date. Mm-hmm. Um, so you draw a line in a smooth pile of ashes before a gathering. So you're inviting people over. You've got your hearth. It's got ashes like all on your hearth and you just draw a line like with a stick or your finger in in the ashes towards one of the seats in your house. Mm-hmm. And whoever sits in the seat that the ash line points to is your future spouse. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. And a little weird. It's like you sat in the ashen spot. Yeah, that means we are to be wed. We are to be married, Jeremy. We are to be married forever and ever because you sat in the ash spot. <laughs> um, yeah, Sarah actually played Bloody Mary and already knew <laughs> I know. that she was going to be married. Well, yeah. I saw you standing behind me after asking if I would be bloody or married. I and saw you sitting in the ashen tree. I saw you, Jeremy, there. and now you're sitting on the stump. The ashes point to look away I drew. I knew you would sit there. I knew you'd sit there because I also wrote your name on the chair. Um. <laughs> this is actually just most of my clients. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not true. But I was telling RJ about how they're like, there are customers that are addicted to readings that will come and get like three readings in one week. And they're all the person that that would be. <laughs> There's also the English tradition known as riddling the ashes. On St. Mark's Eve, which is April 24th, ashes would be left on a hearth and then examined the next day. It is said that if there is a footprint in the ashes, whoever the footprint belongs to will die in the coming year. The tradition also exists on the Isle of Man, but it has a little twist. If the footprint faces inward, it means somebody's going to die within a year. But if it faces outward, a baby is going to be born within a year. Mm. Uh, Riddling the ashes is still done today, but usually on Halloween or New Year's. Mm. Okay. Riddling the ashes. And you could probably freak people out by just like grabbing their shoe and going like, and like. (laughs) That's what I'm wondering is like. Would they leave them out for people to walk through? Is that how you would know whose foot it was? You do it like before bed. Like you set out the ashes before bed. It's like these are the ashes and if uh, there's a footprint and it belongs to you, it means you're going to die. I cannot imagine a situation in which that would work at all, but okay. Yeah, but you could definitely freak people out, um, (laughs) which is the funnest type. (laughs) So the thing that would be not funny but I could see happening is if someone had – 
um, a prosthetic limb and you like snuck in and took it at night and then used that. My friend's mom had a prosthetic leg and um, she, when we would go over, she'd be like, sorry, let me get my leg on really quick. <laughs> so anyway, I could just see like my friend stealing his mom's leg and then doing that. Yeah, it's like, like stamping. I don't know how it got there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you end up making a face the wrong way. It's like, oh, yeah, no. fuck. Yeah. Uh, in 19th century Peru, ashes were spread on the floor after a funeral. Uh, marks in the ashes the next day indicate what animal the dead person's spirit migrated into and what direction the animal went. That's my favorite. I actually love that a lot. And while I'm not sure on the specifics, the Loma people of Western Africa use spodomancy to divine the sex of an unborn child. Huh. She used like take some ashes and just like chuck them at the, at the future mother and be like, huh. And then they turn pink or blue. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. And you're like, what a fun gender reveal. Gender, re- gender reveal. <laughs> uh, what happens if the ashes are just black <laughs> or gray? Um, You having the Antichrist as, <laughs> and all children are the Antichrist, obviously. And now we're going to do So motherfucking Spodomancy. What? And this is for Christopher. L smoked the Zakatachichi one more time. And we're going to be using the ashes for divination. I also burned a Jesus pamphlet from the inside of a Jesus DVD uh, to give it some divine flair. So let's see what the ashes have in store for Christopher. All right, so L has a bowl of ass, ash, ash, bowl of asses. <laughs> a bowl of asses. I want to leave that in. Uh, L has a bowl of ashes that uh, she can shake. It's got saran wrap on top, uh, so L can shake it and see what shapes appear in the ashes. Some of the the Zakatachichi ashes are very dark, and the Jesus pamphlet ashes are very like. Uh, white gray. Yeah. Uh, so it'll create different like color combinations, and maybe stuff. pictures can appear and stuff. Um. Yeah. So this is for Christopher, and Christopher, who's one of my like most favorite people, um, wants to know what he needs to look at changing or improve on before I meet that special someone. That's what he wants to know. So, okay, let's let's consult. The asses. Let's consult the asses. <laughs> um, I know you can probably hear it in the microphone. What is it? What do you see? A whole bunch of ashes. <laughs> and some... So the Zaka Tachichi, uh, for people who are not curious enough to go out and buy it, has a lot of, like, sticks in it. So there's just, like, some straight-up wood in here. <laughs> just really funny. Um... Okay, so first thing that I see is this kind of... First it was a sloth. Now it looks like a wombat. Um, a wombat. Animal in here. I'm going to go with sloth because that's kind of what I saw like initially. And so it's a lot of like being patient with yourself. Yeah, will you look up animal medicine of a sloth? Yeah. The sloth symbolizes relaxation, conservation, groundedness, and patience. 
Yeah, so I think, like, kind of the the main thing... Okay, yeah, so with that, I really feel like it's more of a matter of, like, you needing to be patient with yourself. That doesn't feel like a message to me that you need to wait forever to find your person or that it's just going to take a long time. It more feels like you need to have patience with yourself getting to where you want to be. It's a lot of, like, going back to conversations that we've had that are like, maybe if I just want to change, I just need to change this one thing or just be kind of a different person and that kind of stuff. And I think that's a lot of what you're going through is, like, trying to make those changes but not necessarily wanting to wait to do that or kind of feeling like you don't have to wait. I'm trying to figure out the energy because it's not like you're trying to like rush through this and not have to pay attention to it. It's that you're very motivated to change, but sometimes you have to wait to see kind of the fullness in time, like make those changes, become that person, decide if you like that person, alter that person to become a better person that you want to be. Like life is basically just us having a whole bunch of different versions of ourselves and trying to decide what we like the most and then throwing away parts of us that we don't like anymore and moving on and keep doing it over and over again. So you need to be kind of patient with feeling like there's going to be something that you do that's the magical twist or the magical touch that's like, oh, now everything is different for me and I'm perfect. It really has a lot to do with just finding compassion and patience for yourself as you're going through those transformations. And that to me feels a lot like kind of prep work for having a solid relationship where you can feel supported and you're able to support your partner because you're used to going through those uncomfortable shifts and changes. Give it another, give it another salad toss. Yeah, it's, it's a very like... You could always lightly blow on it like the ancient Greeks. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Well, uh, what did that tell you? <laughs> so, I am now wearing Zakatachichi ashes. Um, that told me that was not a good idea. Okay, so from huh, from doing that, so because we burned the Jesus pamphlet kind of on different parts of this, there's some words. And um, the word here is just be. Like, that's the only visible word, and it's be. Look, come look. Come look at this. Okay, let's see what the fuck you're going on about. Oh my god. Yeah. It just says B. That one says D. (laughs) D, yes. But if you're looking at it from this way, which I was. Yeah, so there's... There's like a couple of other fragments, but that's the only like full actual real word that's visible. Yeah. B. Maybe Jesus is telling you to do the Beatitudes. Or to just exist and understand that it's coming to you. Oh, okay. So there's another piece of paper that is not, it's not like written on the paper, but it looks like it's like a scratch in there that is a constellation, a star sign. Um, uh, I don't know which one it is. I think it's Aquarius. So I think um, I think maybe your person is an Aquarius, which I think would be good for you, someone who's a little bit um, out there. It's kind of fun. Um, be and focus on the sloth stuff of like learning your patience and being able to transform yourself and being able to support that um, in your partner and an Aquarius. 
So I feel like focusing on things is like just mostly focusing on your transformation, kind of your personal progress, really focusing on becoming the partner that you want to have or the partner that would attract the kind of partner you're looking for. And understanding that, you know, in so many ways, you're actually already there. You've already done all this work. You're the kind of person that really can attract a partner, like a lifelong partner and be a good partner for them. So understanding that and valuing yourself enough for that to be your truth, I think, is the answer there. The B was really interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, would you do Spotomancy again? I would not blow on the ashes inside <laughs> in a place that we are using kind of for free again. But I would do Spotomancy again. I don't really burn a lot of ashes of stuff. Like we have um, fireplaces, but they're both gas fireplaces. So we don't get the ashes. Maybe if we had a campfire. Yeah. Yeah. I or would the do cabin. Our, yeah. We should do that sometime. We could, um, we have some log, wooden stoves, basically. Wooden, what are they? Yeah. Well, they're log just. Log burning stoves. Yeah. They're just wood burning stoves. Yeah. And we use them to heat our cabins. And there's a lot of ashes from that. So I feel like maybe we should do that next time. Yeah. You can, uh, when you dump the ashes, you can see how it spreads out. Yeah. Or you could burn um, another, you could burn a magazine and see if any words still come out in the ashes. (laughs) Right. Um, The other, I'm still kind of looking at this. The other thing that came up is the word go. So go be, go be. Go bees. Go be yourself. Go bees. Salt Lake bees. Minor Mm, league baseball. No. (laughs) It's not B as in B-E-E. It's B-E is the word. Well, Christopher, I hope you had a good Spotomancy reading. We did not find any footprints in the ashes this morning, but probably because we had saran wrap on top. So. No, I left it unsaran wrapped. Oh, yeah. No footprints. Uh, <laughs> we put it by the hearth. We were like, we're going to get some footprints. We didn't get any footprints. So I think that's good. Yeah. How was your experience with the Zakatachichi this time? Um, I did have good dreams. I slept really yes. well. Finally, I've been like working on my sleep schedule because it's fucked right now um and i just woke up knowing that i had good dreams i don't i don't remember them i don't have like anything about them i just remember that they were like good dreams and i was like ah that was a good dream you finally got to enjoy the zaka de chichi it is not worth it no (laughs) no no. if i get covid and i cannot taste anything i'm for sure gonna pound back some fucking tea (laughs) and have my dreams but that is that is it no more consumption of it unless that's the thing I have to say it was weird because I didn't feel quite as, like, inebriated this time. Mm. And I we I literally, like, sat there and did, like, three bowls. I was like, we're going to just get in it because I was worried we weren't going to have enough ash. And I was like, we'll try it one more time. So, yeah, it worked okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Christopher, I hope you had a good reading. Hit us up on Patreon and Elle will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash mancy also if you liked the show please share with your friends and share it on social media the more support we have the more episodes we can make uh also you can send us a direct donation to at dollar compliments on venmo and if you do uh i will pull a tarot card for you and i will make up 
fake bullshit about what <laughs> what it means. Um, and I usually post them to TikTok, but I'll also post it directly on Venmo. Oh my god, I do want to note. So RJ was doing the reading for Jana, who donated to us last week, and I was like in the same room as him. I was working on like a class I'm taking, and I heard him record the whole thing, and then he like posted it onto TikTok and put it on his Instagram stories. We're like sitting down next to each other, and I was like tapping through my Instagram stories, and he was like, you didn't even watch it. You didn't even watch that. You didn't even watch my video. And I was like, RJ, I heard the whole thing. He's like, well, you didn't even like it. And it's an Instagram story, which is an unlikable thing. Unlikable. You know I have the power to cut things out of this podcast, right? It's fine. (laughs) Whether or not you leave this in here, it's already out there. I'm just (laughs) noting that RJ is old AF. That's all. I'm I'm posting on TikTok. I'm hip. I didn't know you were looking on. I, I thought you were looking on TikTok. TikTok is so different from it's, it's you know what art is old but <laughs> we do enjoy the fake readings so they're kind of fun uh, if you like my writing you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com if you'd like to get a reading from me you can find me on my Etsy which is Laurels of Lux you can also find me on Twitter at Laurels of Lux music was provided by in order of appearance Hayden Folker Arthi Vinke Scott Buckley and me Hayden.